Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I am Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're glad that you are with us. More than 65 million Americans right now are struggling with this issue. This program is designed to help you stay strong and healthy as you take care of someone who is not. Think about yourself and all the others who are right now serving as a family caregiver. And think of all the different scenarios where that person is caring for another human being. They're caring for someone who has mental health issues, someone who is an addict or an alcoholic, someone who had a traumatic event in their life and is dealing with all kinds of residual chronic impairments. Whatever the chronic impairment, there's always a caregiver, and this program is designed for you, that caregiver. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. There's more resources out at HopeForTheCaregiver.com. You can take advantage of everything that we have out there. Our podcast is free. It's the largest in the world, from what I understand. We have uh, getting close to 700 episodes, and you also can see um, different kinds of uh, written material that we have out there, books music, and then go to our Facebook page group like that, and then also our Facebook group for Hope for the Caregiver. It's a private group that I started. I'm the sole administrator for that group, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. I'm thinking about doing some live events in that group, and so if that's something you want to be a part of, just go out there and join up, and you can uh, find out all kinds of things. I post in there, we want to help build this community of folks who are caring for individuals who are struggling. Isolation is one of the most crippling things that affect the family caregiver. And we're pushing back on that isolation through this program. And everything that I do is designed to penetrate into that isolation and let people know that they're not alone and that we can draw strength from each other. By the the shared journeys that we have, we learn from each other, we build each other up, we encourage each other. That's the whole point as we move towards healthiness. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. I got a story I want to tell you. This morning I was booking a hotel reservation to return back to the Denver area for follow-up visits with my wife after this big surgery she had down there. And the... (laughs) I was talking to a a supervisor because, you know, you can try to get medical rates and so forth when you have a big teaching hospital that brings in a lot of people and they try to work with you. Sometimes it's a little bit gnarly and I had to jump through a lot of hoops, but I finally got it. And I I told the story to the supervisor who felt like I should tell this story because she said it's very funny. (laughs) And I won't mention the name of the hotel Marriott. And I I won't tell you where it was or anything like that because I don't want to get in trouble. I think the lady is actually retired. But it was just one of these things that we as caregivers are going to appreciate this. I specifically asked, when I was down there earlier, before we checked Gracie into the hospital, we spent one night at a hotel, and I asked for a roll-in shower. You know, I mean, because Gracie's a bilateral amputee, and that would make her life a lot easier than trying to navigate with a tub shower. So I asked for a roll-in shower. Well, we got there, and they didn't have it. Well, the next day we put her in the hospital and they, they got a room and we got her going in surgery and then she was there for 10 weeks. And I stayed across the street uh, from the uh, place in a, in a hotel and um, it, it was fine. I did that for a couple of weeks and I, then I went and stayed with some friends of ours. But 
I was in and out of that hotel a couple times because I flew back to Montana and I would spend the night there at the hospital. I got in really late, so I'd stay there at the same hotel. And I was talking with the uh, night manager and she, older ladies, very sweet lady. And I told her, you know, I said, when I originally booked this, I asked for that. You know, y'all never did this. It was kind of a, you know, problem. And I was checking out at the front desk. I was buying, they had a little place there where you had some things you could buy to eat and so forth and it'd heat up in a microwave. And I was so tired and I was just getting some ramen soup. Okay, now this is, this is really important to the story. Ramen soup. How many of you know how much ramen soup cost? Okay, get that in your mind. You see it at the grocery store. I think you could buy like a hundred packs of it for five dollars. You know, it's just it's ramen soup. Okay, I lived all this stuff in college, so I'm extremely tired, and I happened to mention that to her, and she looked at me, and she had the biggest look of sympathy on her eyes. She was so precious. And she said, and I kid you not, she said, here, take this on us. It's the least we could do. It was ramen soup. Of course it's the least you could do. There, there, is no, there is nowhere to go after ramen soup except for nothing. And, and I looked at her, and she was so sincere. And I, my brain had a collision with my mouth. You ever have those moments when you just, you know you want to say something that's just sarcastic but you can't because the look on her face was so sincere and and she if she had been in the south she would have said bless your heart <laughs> and if i had been in the south i would have said bless your heart back to her but i i bit my tongue and and learned to like the taste of blood and i <laughs> i just said thank you but i laughed about that all the way up to the room because here take this on us it's the least we could do <laughs> And I said, I mean, if, if you, can you imagine all the things that I wanted to say to her? I mean, I, <laughs> I almost said, I don't want to be a bother. Really, you shouldn't go to this level of trouble. You shouldn't do this. This is too, it's too much. It's too much. And, and I told this to the supervisor that was booking me for this uh, this morning. And she said, you, you really need to tell that story. That's pretty funny. So I'm telling you because you look for things like that that make you laugh. Yes, they should have done more and, and so forth. And and you work those things out at another time. You don't do it when you're really tired. You you really don't want to do that when you're tired because then you'll say things that you probably shouldn't say and you just walk away and just chuckle about it later and, and talk about it. But it makes a great story that you – you have these moments where you realize people are just sometimes clueless. And and have you ever had that? You ever been in a situation like that where you're you're looking with incredulity at these people wondering how have you been able to function throughout the day with that level of, of unawareness? And and you don't you don't want to hurt their hearts. You don't want to castigate them. But at the same time, you know, you're thinking you guys really need to make this right. And they did, by the way. I, I actually, uh, I did take it upon myself before I checked out to talk about this with the manager. And they they really did work to make it right. And, and I appreciate that. And I think that that's, a, that's a, a good message for us as caregivers. If we can keep a sense of humor and not be acerbic 
when we get into these customer service issues. We've got enough tension on us. We don't need drama with that. We just bring it to their attention. And most people I have found, most people want to do the right job. They may not know what that is sometimes, and we can't assume that they do. They they want to be sincere. People really do like to be, you know, uh, feel like what they're doing matters and that they're doing a good job. And I make it a point to try to tell people how much I appreciate the work uh, when they, you know, do the breakfast there at the hotel and so forth. I watch, uh, there's a group of people that always comes through and they're, they're highly demanding. It's like being on a cruise ship kind of thing. Oh, that's another story. I got to tell you this. People always talk about cruise ships. Well, I'm looking at the clock here. I, I better save that for the next segment. I'll tell you a cruise ship story that'll make you howl a little bit. But yeah, can we can we treat people with grace and maybe even get a funny story to tell for the rest of our lives that will make us chuckle without having to look back and regret something that we said or didn't say? You know, Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine. You know, we, we can have a merry heart. We can be a merry heart for others as well. You know, we don't stop living and stop being a source of encouragement and stop uh, enjoying life just because we're serving as caregivers. I was at the hospital with Gracie with a very serious surgery, and you find things to laugh about. And I didn't want to hurt this woman just because I was hurting didn't give me an opportunity to hurt this person's heart. You just let it slide off and have a good time. Don't go away. I'll tell that cruise ship story in just a bit. And I've got another story that all this reminded me of, and I'll tell that when we come back. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepali's language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. God warns and then he delivers. In Isaiah chapter 5, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed a judgment on the Jerusalem of his day. His message was one of final judgment. No more warnings, no more time. Could his words be the final words of judgment on America? Hello, I'm Sam Rohr with the American Pastors Network and another Stand in the Gap Minute. In verse 24, God said, I'll destroy your nation because you've rejected my commands and despised my holy name. Therefore, my fearsome anger will come against you. I've warned and pleaded with you, but you've ignored my voice. In that day, Israel deserved God's judgment. Their sin was great. Their time was up. Shouldn't we in America look in the mirror and consider our sins in light of Israel then? Idolatry murder of the unborn, materialism, apathy, moral relativism, addictions of all types, bribery, corruption, and arrogant indifference. Will you join with us at Stand in the Gap Radio and TV and respond in repentance to God's warnings? Stand with us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. I know this love you face in my heart is a 
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. How are you feeling? How are you doing? What's going on with you? You know, healthy caregivers make better caregivers. And our job here, together, you and me, not my job, our job, is for us to pursue a healthier path for each of us. And that's financially, emotionally, spiritually, professionally, in our relationships, physically, in our body. All of those things go in towards making us healthier. And healthy caregivers make better caregivers. It's just that simple. What does healthiness look like? And sometimes healthiness looks like resisting the urge to be acerbic. You're under a lot of stress and you run into people who are going to say and do some things that are just goofy. And you desperately want to just box their ears or say something snide or whatever. I mean, it's like I said in the last segment with that lady. You know, they didn't give us a roll-in shower like we asked to. And then when I was checking out with some ramen noodle, <laughs> I mean, honestly, think about it. Take it. It's on us. It's the least we could do. You can't get any more least than ramen noodles. And so I didn't feel the need to, you know, push back on her. She wasn't the right person for that. And I think for us as caregivers, sometimes that discretion is the better part of valor principle comes into play that we just don't have to, you know, correct every wrong at that moment. And, and I, I'll, I'll give you another example. Then I promise you I'll tell you my cruise ship story. No, I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way because it was funny. It had nothing really to do. It's just that sometimes you find that you want to say something. You really do. You truly want to say something. But you recognize that it's best that you don't. And it's those moments, you know, when your brain really does have a collision with your mouth. And I was on a cruise one time with Gracie. And people have asked me all the time, so, would you love to go on a cruise? And I'm like, no, I've done my last cruise. I don't want to go on a cruise again. I, that's If I ever feel like going on a cruise, I will put on a Hawaiian shirt and go to the Golden Corral. Um, and <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. I just I just don't want to do it. But I was on this one, and, and the elevator opened up, and it was a, a pretty large woman. And I, I don't want to say she was fat, um, but, you know, she, she's a big woman. And her kid was standing next to her. And he was a big kid, and and it, it, let me just let me just say, I mean, th- th- this was a large family, and I was just making conversation, and I I said, well, how are you doing? Are you enjoying yourself? And the woman beamed with pride. I mean, beamed with pride, and she said to me, "Oh yes, it's his first buffet." <laughs> Do you know how difficult it was for me to keep a straight face at that point and just nod with with kindness? <laughs> do you do you have any idea the the torque that was going on between my brain and my tongue that I wanted to say, but I didn't do it, and I thought you all would be very proud of me for that. I, I used restraint. I, I had a guy, but speaking of using restraint, I had a guy came up to me one time at church. And this is back in Nashville. We went to a really large church there, a lot of folks. And he had heard about us, and he came up to me, and he was very sincere. Let me let me set the table with that. He was very sincere. And he said, I heard about y'all's story. I mean, what you and your wife have gone through, and 
Uh, and I know exactly how you're feeling. I know exactly what you're going through. And he said it just like that. When I, I thought about, I kind of in like two seconds inventoried our journey mentally. And I wasn't aware that there was anybody in our town, maybe even, you know, within our county that had had a similar journey. Much less in our church. And I said, oh, really? I'm sorry to hear that. What happened? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. My, my wife broke her ankle last month. Now, I'm just going to leave that right there for you all for just a moment. Just just let that sink into you. I'm sitting there right after church, and this guy comes up very sincere. He wasn't trying to be a jerk. He's, I know exactly what you're going through. My wife broke her ankle last month. How would you respond to that? I mean, just out of curiosity, what would you say? I'd like to hear. By the way, you can send that to me. Go out to hopeforthecaregiver.com. There's a little form. Just send that to me. What would you say? Uh, And then I'll tell you what I said here. Uh, It was, I looked at him and I said very kindly, well, I'm sorry to hear that. And I stepped away quickly and extricated myself from the circumstances in that situation because I wasn't so sure I wanted that conversation to continue, and I really wasn't quite sure I could trust myself to continue that conversation. <laughs> and uh, have you ever felt that way? I mean, you ever, you ever felt like you can't just, you know, you don't trust yourself in that situation? I I think I needed to get out of there quickly, and I laughed about it because I knew that the guy was not being malicious. He was really looking for a way to engage and affirm his own journey, that it was obviously weighing heavy on him. Can we be gracious to others in their distress, despite the fact that we have great distress in our own lives? Can we be gracious to people? And I say to you, yeah, we can. It takes takes some work. It takes some practice. It takes some some mental discipline. And I have not always been very gracious. I cringe over some things that I've said in the past. I remember one lady came up to us, and and this is one I, 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 I don't know if I should share this. This is embarrassing. But she she came up to us, and she'd heard that Gracie, you know, about Gracie's story again, and that Gracie was had fallen asleep at the wheel and, and slammed into concrete above it. And it was at a particularly difficult time in my life. I was not in a good headspace. And she came up to me and said, you know, I once fell asleep at the wheel, but God was gracious and he woke me up in time. And forgive me, but I this is what I said. I looked at her square in the eyes. I said, well, God wasn't so gracious to Gracie, was he? And that was a cutting thing to say. And I I cringe over that. I'm embarrassed by it. I should have never said it. I was young and full of a lot of anger and frustration. And I popped off. And I've always regretted that. Because, first off, it wasn't true. God is always gracious. Even when things are harsh, His goodness doesn't cease. And there are things that are going on that we can't understand. We're we're never going to understand. 
And even when we get to heaven, we'll know him truly, but not absolutely. We're not him. He is other. We are not him. And we can't. And it was wrong of me to say that. And I've really worked hard. I'm, I'm not going to give you a 100% track record on this, but I've worked hard to avoid those kinds of things. And just be gracious to people where they are. And, and recognize that I don't have to mire myself down in their issues, and I don't have to, you know, agree with them or, or whatever. I can, I can be gracious and kind and then extricate myself from it. Like the lady with the ramen noodle, you know, like the guy with his wife with the broken ankle. I didn't have to put them in their place. I didn't have to let them feel the full weight of my life. I could be kind to them. You know, we got a Savior that does that for us. He's very gracious to us, meets us where we are. And we presume on him all the time. And his mercy is never-ending. And his graciousness, not just his grace, his graciousness. He is, he is near to the brokenhearted. And I think that that's a lesson I've, I'm hopefully learning, certainly better than I did at, at that time, that people are going to say things to me. Uh, I'm out in the public now a lot, and, and people are going to say things to me that's what they call TOMA. T-O-M-A, top of mind awareness. It's on their mind. It's right there on their mind all the time. I, I can be gracious with that. Not on my own strength, but because I recognize how great my Savior has been to me. And once we have that understanding, you know, gratitude really, Cicero said this, I believe. that I think it was Cicero. That gratitude is the virtue from which all others spring. And I think at the core of sin is this ungratefulness and it's this rejection of the gift and the beauty that, of who God is and what he's done. And it is, is this, we fight against this nature of ourselves. And that's where greed and envy and all these things, because we're not grateful for where we are. And once we understand gratitude, it calms our hearts down that we can be gracious to people. And I need this in my life. I married a woman named Grace because I need to, to understand this. And I love her name. I think her name is the most beautiful name in the English language, Grace. I, I, I just I love her name, Grace. That is what I hope for all of us as caregivers is that we can be extenders of the same grace that we ourselves have received. Paul says this to the Corinthians, that we comfort one another with the same comfort that we ourselves have received from the God of all comfort. And part of that comfort that we receive is graciousness, grace, mercy, kindness, gentleness. There are going to be people who are going to say things to you that will absolutely press on your last good nerve. You know it and I know it. And you could probably call to mind a couple of them. Can we be gracious to them? Not by ourselves, no. But by trusting in Him to change us from the inside out, that we ourselves can be reflections of that great mercy and grace 
that extends without reservation to us. So, you know, the next time somebody says something kind of goofy to you or whatever, I hope this helps. I hope this will give you kind of a off-ramp in case you're tempted to say something snarky like I was. I hope that helped. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We're going to unpack this a little bit more from a different perspective in the next block. We'll be right back. The world in word pictures viewed through the love of Christ. Some of the people that I met, there was no way in the world we could meet with any Christians in North Korea. That would have been a death sentence for them. And so it was in northern Manchuria where they had escaped. And the story from all of them was that three generations of their families were wiped out if they were even caught with a Bible. The cruelty is just incomprehensible. Listen to Sandy Rios weekday mornings at 7 Central on American Family Radio. Do you feel like you're in control of your finances, or is it more like the other way around? Sometimes all it takes is a little help and encouragement, and we've got just the thing. It's Money Wise with Rob West. Every weekday morning from 9 to 10 Central, Rob and his money-savvy friends and colleagues help you stay in control of your finances. And it's not from the world's perspective, but from God's. Don't miss Money Wise with Rob West every weekday morning from 9 to 10 Central, right here on AFR. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Vegas. For over 25 years, Pacific Justice Institute has defended countless people of faith. But PGI's work extends beyond legal defense. You see, we're also concerned about addressing legislative issues at the core. That's why PGI's Church Finds Its Voice Initiative developed a free resource to help the body of believers to take action within their community, plant a seed for change, and vote for values that uphold free speech and religious liberty. Take action today by downloading your free copy of the resource, 12 Practical Ways for Civic Stewardship, at pji.org. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. That is Andre Crouch and the Gospel Disciples, the incomparable Andre Crouch and the Gospel Disciples. That's his sister, Sandra, singing the lead on that song, Tell Them. And I cannot stress enough my gratitude for the contribution that they made to the music world and to my life personally. Uh, I, I I look back at some of the songs that I learned how to play when I was very young and started to learn how to play the piano, and so much of it was Andre Crouch. And I I love his stuff, but I love this song particularly, Tell Them. And I want to take a moment to flip the conversation we've been having in the first two blocks where we've discussed holding your tongue when people say things that may be awkward or weird or sensitive, thoughtless, or... Um, whatever, uh, it, it's it's very easy for us to pop off and put them in their place or 
you know, push back a little bit with the the tremendous burden that we have to carry. It's almost like you're carrying a big backpack on your back that's filled with rocks. And sometimes you just want to spin around and hit them with the backpack and let them feel the weight of what you have to carry. And I get that. Done that. Been there, done that. And I, I regret it. Just, you know, it's one of those things that I look back and just cringe over. I've said from the beginning, when I first launched this program over 10 years ago, that I'm the crash test dummy of caregivers. I have had ample time to make so many mistakes. I've stared at this mountain for such a long time, and I've drilled down to what the real core issues are. And I I still remain convinced that the core issues for us are not the caregiving task, but what's going on in our heart. Whether we're inappropriately seeking validation, whether we are harboring deep resentment, or whether we're wanting to lash out or whatever, all those things, this is common to mankind. And they come to the surface in these high-pressure situations. Everything we deal with as caregivers on a heart level is common to the human condition. That's the bad news. It's that we all are struggling with this, and we're going to keep struggling with it. The good news is it's dealt with in Scripture. It's covered in Scripture. And as we said in the first two blocks, we want to spend time not hitting people with that backpack full of rocks. But there are times when people do need to see the backpack full of rocks, if I could stay with that metaphor for just a few moments. There are times when people do need to see the full weight of what you and I carry as caregivers, not to elevate us, not to put them in their place, not to minimize their pain, but so that they can better understand God's provision and the access to his love and care and kindness and faithfulness that is available to them. So they're willing to say, you know what, if, 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 if they found God to be faithful in that, with that big old backpack full of rocks, maybe I can trust him with mine too. And that's the opportunity for us to minister to people, to say things to people to engage with them, to offer our own journey of trusting God, even our own mistakes, as a way to for them to gain strength and courage. And what happens is, I have found on more than one occasion, that as I do that, I become stronger. Each time I come on this program, Each time I get behind this microphone, I am strengthening myself and sharing with you all, but myself, the full journey I've had as a caregiver in the context of God's faithfulness in Scripture so that I'm able to look over the breadth of this thing and not just isolate on one issue and just despair. And I'll give you an example of a hymn that says that. So let me step back over here to the caregiver keyboard. (laughs) And thank you all for indulging me on this at the keyboard because I feel like these hymns say it so much better than I ever could. 
And these hymn writers spend a lot of time with these thoughts and put it down in such a beautiful way. So it's just better. But listen to this hymn. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. And listen to this line, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. And just let that just sit on you. Listen to this last verse. Isaac Watts wrote this. He wrote about like a hundred verses with it. Here, listen to this one. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. And then listen to this line. Be thou our guard while troubles last and our eternal home. And this is an example of you and me, both of us, letting people feel the weight of our journey because we've done this for a long time. That's the nature of being a caregiver. This is not a one and done. This is not an episodic event. This is a long-term issue. And because it's a long-term issue, we have the opportunity to see God's provisions in ways that we would not normally do. And there are people that we're going to encounter who need to see how we handle these things. They are looking at us as somebody who has wrestled with this particular set of circumstances for a lengthy period of time, and they they see it on us. They hear it in our voice. And if we use the flesh to do that, then we'll come across being snarky. And, and, and will sound bitter or will sound demeaning or condescending. But if we yield that experience and our journey and our, how can we say it better, testimony to the Holy Spirit, then we say it with such weight and authority that it strengthens others around us. They draw strength from the weightiness of what we've walked through. And it's not our strength. Please don't misunderstand that. It's not our strength. It is us resting in His strength. You know that that hymn? Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what Thou art. I am finding out the greatness of Thy love. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, thou hast made me whole. And then the chorus is, Jesus, I am resting, resting the joy of what thou art. And you know, that, that it's just a wonderful hymn, but it gives credence to what we're talking about here. It, 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 this is the message that because we're resting in this, we're not trying to prove something to ourselves or to other people. We are 
restrained then by the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit so that we don't have to inflict on other people and we are prepared at a moment's notice to bear witness to that which we have seen. Okay? We're prepared at a moment's notice. It doesn't mean that our burden is taken away. We're still carrying a backpack full of rocks. We're still holding on to these very difficult things that we have to deal with. But the way we carry them and the strength that we lean upon is not our own. And you can always tell when you're leaning on your own strength because it creates a sense of angst and frustration and resentment and bitterness and despair and all kinds of things in that vein. And there, it's not a fatalistic viewpoint. So it's not like you're just resigned. Well, okay, this, God just dumped on me. No, that's not what I'm talking about either. It's accepting that this is where he has you and that his provision is firm in this and enduring and he's faithful. So then when you talk to somebody and you're bringing the full weight of who you are, it's not the weight of who your failures are, it's the weight of your faith in him. So that you can say, oh God, our help in ages past. As caregivers, we have ages that we can look at. I mean, I'm in my 36th year, get ready to start my 37th year of this. So I have a lengthy amount of time I can look back at now and see his hand of mercy, see his grace, see his provision. And so that's what I can point to when I see others, even if they come up and say the goofiest of things. Because even in their their goofiness, it's an opportunity for those of us with some longevity in this to flip the conversation and let it be one of encouragement and strengthening. Let it be one of testimony. I don't like that word sometimes, even though it's a very biblical word, because I think it's been so misused. And we look at testimony as a way to get up and, and share all the, the lousy things that we had to deal with in our life that God saved me from all this wretchedness. And we spent so much time on the lurid tale that we don't talk about the great Savior. And what I would like to see myself do more is to focus on, oh, I found this out about God. I discovered this truth. I found this to be powerful in these moments. You know that scripture where it says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, their experiential understanding of the provision of God, of the salvation of God in their life. This is experiential. Here's what I've experienced. So we have those times when, yes, we are constrained so that we don't inflict damage on people. But there are also those times when we can take the full weight of who we are and let it rest in the context of God's provision of, oh God, our help in ages past. This becomes a powerful message to folks who are struggling and we strengthen ourselves along the journey. We're going to unpack this one more time in the next block. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing With Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had 
as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it, it just wouldn't work out. And finally, she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs as a means of sharing the gospel, to put legs on her fellow amputees. And that's what we've been doing now since 2005 with Standing With Hope. We work in the West African country of Ghana, and you can be a part of that through supplies, through supporting team members, through supporting the work that we're doing over there. You could designate a limb. There's all kinds of ways that you could be a part of giving the gift that keeps on walking at standingwithhope.com. Would you take a moment to go out to standingwithhope.com and see how you can give They go walking and leaping and praising God. You can be a part of that at standingwithhope.com. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. Most caregivers regularly take someone else to see a physician. But when was the last time we saw our physician? We often grow so weary of taking others to a doctor's office that the thought of going to another one or taking time off of work again, well, it's just too much. Caregiving can be daunting and relentless. Those challenges sap the desire to fix a healthy meal, much less schedule time to go to yet another doctor visit. Yet that visit can very well save a caregiver's life. Caregiving can often feel like a full contact sport, and it's hard on the body as well as the heart. Make the call. Keep the appointment for yourself as a caregiver. Doing so ensures treatment of the one body standing between your vulnerable loved one and even worse disaster, and that's yours. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. Welcome back to Hope of the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. And I love this song by Keith Green. You put this love in my heart. This is how we do it. Because we're not leaning on our own abilities here. And I just want to take a little bit of time today to wrap up all the things we've talked about. Whether it's the, you know, the people that are saying things to you that are just goofy uh, and uh, uh, things that you're, you're having to restrain yourself with. You're not leaning on your abilities to be gracious. You're not leaning on your abilities to to endure these things, and you're not leaning on your abilities to hold your tongue when when provoked or when people say things that are cutting or, or insensitive or whatever. The point is, is that we're leaning on Him. He put this love in our heart. We're not going to solve these problems, and that's not the goal. The goal is to walk through them with a little bit more peace, a little bit more clarity. We're chipping away at the things that chip away at us, if you will. And so we are avoiding the the urge to needlessly carry things that, uh, quite truthfully, are weighing us down. You know, let me step over here to the caregiver keyboard. It's like the old hymn says, Well, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry. Isn't that a great old hymn? What a friend we have in Jesus. I may have to cut that song on my next CD that I do of hymns. I just love that old hymn. And it brings a great truth to what we carry as caregivers. That's that same concept of are we carrying things that we just don't need to carry? Do you have technology in your house? Do you have gadgets 
that allow you to better care for your loved one without you just physically doing everything all the time. One of the things I told Gracie when we remodeled this little cabin we live out here in Montana, it did not have a dishwasher. And I said, baby, we're going to put a dishwasher in this because I'm the chief cook and bottle washer. I wanted a dishwasher, and I wanted to make sure we got a dishwasher in here. Now, you may think that's, well, Peter, everybody has dishwasher. Well, you'd be surprised. And this old cabin that we've renovated out here, been here on the property since, gosh, for 135 years. Well, you know, dishwasher was not on the factor of things. <laughs> and uh, so we wanted to make sure we put it in there. It's less stress for me to have a dishwasher. So I think we find those little things like that that we can do that can help us. And so that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to have that particular conversation with Arthur Lee. So I do thank him for being here. And then also the things we were talking about earlier about learning not to jump in and say things so quickly that we can back off a little bit and not let our tongues rule our life. A lot of scriptures about that. You know, uh, James 1.19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear. Are we quick to hear? And sometimes hearing involves more than just our ears. It involves our heart. Do, do we pay attention to what's going on in front of us? You know, like that, like that guy that, you know, came up to me at church and he said, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. And, and I'm, I could have rattled off all of Gracie's medical stuff, both her legs amputated and everything else. This guy wanted to compare it and to his wife's broken ankle that she just had last month. Well, by that time, I'd been taking care of Gracie for decades. And he's saying, I know exactly what you're going through, and he's been doing it for a month. Well, it's not my job to crush this man or to somehow put him in his place. Was I quick to hear and just hear that this is obviously very troubling to him? And I don't have to subject myself to that, nor do you. We're not, we're not required to tether ourselves to other people's lack of understanding. But we can be gracious in that and learn a valuable scriptural principle. Be quick to hear and be as gracious with them as we would want people to be gracious to us. And that's part of also offloading that stress. As long as we're carrying around resentment that, oh my gosh, this guy said this and it just flew all over, whatever, this person said this or this. As long as we allow ourselves to continue down that path, we're carrying things that we don't need to carry. And, you know, this is what's going to ultimately calm our hearts down, settle us down, and be help us be more in tune with with where God is with our life, as opposed to we're just constantly reacting and flailing around. Eugene O'Neill, the the playwright, he was an American playwright, uh, in the first part of the nineteenth uh, century, in the nineteen hundreds, and he had a great quote that he said: "Man is born broken; he lives by mending." The grace of God is glue. <laughs> and and it's such a powerful statement of what he's making, what he's what he's saying there. We're we're all born broken, but we live 
by mending. And not just ourselves, but participating in the mending of others. And we find that as we mend others, as we participate in their mending and their healing, that ours is furthered. And all of this held together and restored and renewed and rebuilt and mended with the grace of God. Isn't that a great quote for us as caregivers? We're surrounded by people, as Thoreau said, that are living lives of quiet desperation. And this man that came up to me, for example, you know, he'd only been doing this for a month, taking care of his wife. And and I and I understand how difficult it must have been for him. His whole life had been flipped upside down. Yeah, it only been a month. And for for you and me, we, we kind of raised an eyebrow and say, you know, for heaven's sakes. But for him, it was a big deal. But can I be gracious to him in that? And and recognize that, you know, that's a big deal to him. That was heavy on his mind, and that's all he could see. And I didn't feel the need to rob him of wrestling with whatever he was wrestling with. For me, a huge mental shift occurred when I started focusing on that. When I stopped feeling the need to somehow let people know that they're not in the same league with what Gracie and I deal with. And and I'm embarrassed to say it. I, I truly am. That was the immature response, and it, it was just, it reflects so much naivety. I mean, not naivety. It was just gross immaturity. But I it it hurt so much, and I wanted that validation from others that what I was going through was exceptional and extraordinary. What changed for me, and and, and let's be frank, Gracie and I do go through some rather extraordinary things. But that's not the point. What changed for me when I realized he is exceptional, he is extraordinary, and his goodness transcends all of this, and he shelved all of his extraordinary to come and be ordinary with us. And if he could do that, on our behalf, while we were yet in enmity with him, as Scripture says, we were enemies of God. And yet he shelved all of that and came and lived as a man among us, the ordinary, experienced all the things that we experience, the limitations that we have. And he didn't feel the need to put people in their place, except in some cases with the, with the people who were so self-righteous and belligerent. And even then, he dealt graciously with them. They never felt the full weight of what he could do. He said that to Peter in the garden. If you remember that, he said, don't you know who I can, who, who I can call? What I can do? If I, if I wanted to be free of this, I don't need your sword, Peter. I have the sword of a whole host of angels. Those swords could come to my defense. But this is the Father's will. 
and he condescended even further. This is, this is a, um, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around, isn't it? And if you've seen those, those pictures that have just come back from the James Webb Telescope from NASA this week, and you see the magnificence of space, and and just it, it's 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 mind numbing. The same God who did all of that wonders that we can't even possibly imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Paul said. And we're just getting tiny glimpses of this, condescended on our behalf. Why are we carrying around things that we don't need to carry? Why do we need affirmation from others? Why do we need all these things? And these are things I want to continue exploring in, this, in future programs. And I want to hear from you on it as well. But I felt like this would be helpful to someone today. If it's not been helpful to you, guess what? It's been helpful to me just to get it out. And, and I hope that you share in some of these things. But if you don't, I, I needed to say it for me. To say, you know what? He is extraordinary. He is exceptional. And that's that changes everything. And it gives us the wherewithal to be gracious. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. You know... Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. And part of being healthy is not having to carry around things that aren't ours. Is there something you could put down today? Hope for the caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.